everybody. Yes, I do have two different kinds of music playing at the start of this podcast. Sorry about that, but not too much else to be sorry about as we start a February 5th edition, a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast, we being you and me. Hi to everybody watching live on Periscope via Twitter, on Facebook, and we have some uh, fun things to talk about, all of them Ohio State basketball related. And we'll have a faith portion for you later on in the podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Really appreciate your time this morning. How about Ohio State's basketball team? Wow. Uh, I was thinking this morning, am I more surprised they won at Illinois? Am I more surprised they won at Wisconsin? Or am I more surprised they won at Iowa? And why am I surprised at all that they would win at Iowa after they won at Illinois and Wisconsin and even at Rutgers when Rutgers was ranked 15th? So this team is now the only team in the country with five wins over ranked opponents. And they also have wins at Notre Dame and against UCLA and Cleveland. And they don't have just five wins over top 25 teams. They have five wins over top 15 teams. And Iowa is at least on the resume the nicest looking win because the Hawkeyes were ranked eight last night. When Ohio State went into Carver-Hawkeye and got behind by 11 with 14 minutes and 35 seconds to go in the game and came back and won it and led it by seven, entering the final minute. And then it got a little adventurous, as things sometimes do with this team. But Dwayne Washington preserved it at the end with a free throw, and the final is 89-85. to You can read my story about the game on PressProsMagazine.com. I will analyze it for you now and try to take a longer view than just, you know, a game breakdown because we're starting to see some trends with this team. And I think the number one trend that I see is that a few weeks ago after they lost at Northwestern, the topic came up and Chris Holtman said, we're going to have to reduce our rotation because he'd been kind of playing 11 guys or 12 guys, and everybody had earned minutes, but roles weren't defined, and blowing that five-point lead in the last three minutes at Northwestern led him to believe that maybe guys, because they don't know their roles, failed to execute at the end of that game, and it cost him a win. Well, then their rotation narrowed because of injuries to Jimmy Sotos and C.J. Walker, and you could kind of put off that concern for a while. Now, C.J. is back. Sotos will be out for the remainder of the season with his separated shoulder that he suffered in the win at Rutgers. But we're seeing the benefit of a deep rotation. And the only reason why that is a benefit is because Chris Holtman has an uncanny knack for either predetermining who's going to fit in a game that particular night, or he has an incredible in-the-game feel for who to go to in the moment when Ohio State needs a burst either on offense or on defense. If I told you before tip-off last night that Ohio State's bench was going to have to give them 20 points, I think it was 14 rebounds and 9 assists, I wouldn't have felt good about the outcome of the game. But that is exactly what their bench gave them. Oh, and by the way, their bench was going to contribute that with Seth Towns going scoreless. Now you're like, eh, I don't feel too great about that, Bruce. Yes, well, Zed Key was big, particularly in the first half, and Michi Johnson was big in the first half, and Ohio State was down four at the break with 12 points between two freshmen, Zed Key and Michi Johnson. Zed inside, 
and Michi on the outside hitting two of three threes. Michi's three-point percentage is really impressive, and he shows no fear. Now, he made a mistake late in the ballgame, but I like the fact that he was out there late in the ballgame. Obviously, the mistake didn't beat him, so it's easy to like it because he's learning and growing from it. But there are just so many things about this game that indicate a kind of magic that this team musters in the moment. Now, do I think they are right now probably going to be a top five team, I would assume, pending who loses in front of them? But winning at Iowa will certainly help them in the vote. And it was a great game to watch. Very few turnovers, lots of threes, lots of assists. It was a well-played game. So if voters around the country are watching Ohio State beat Iowa last night on ESPN, that doesn't hurt either. Everybody has ESPN. Not everybody has Big Ten Network. It won't surprise me if they're a top-five team. Are they a top-five team? Do they deserve to be a top-five team? Do they have the talent to be a top-five team? I don't know. I don't watch a lot of other basketball, but... When you keep winning against teams that I know are good, I know Illinois is good, I know Wisconsin's good, I know Iowa's good. When you win these games, and it's not as hard to win at Iowa and at Illinois and at Wisconsin now that we have no fans, but nevertheless, it's a win. And their character wins. They faced adversity in all of those games. They got out to big leads against Illinois. Less of a big lead against Wisconsin, but they controlled the game. Against Iowa, totally followed a different script. They got ahead early, not huge, fell behind, fell way behind, and then stormed back and won it. And I think the central reason for all of it, you can talk about threes, you can talk about rebounding. Now, rebound at Iowa. Like, how's that happen with the size that Iowa has? Well, it's because Iowa stinks on defense. But it's also because of Ohio State's determination following the scouting report, accountability that Chris Holtman has fostered on the roster. And I think it all boils down to the guy pushing the buttons. Because any questions that we had about his ability to recruit in a big-time way, even looming questions like that after last season when DJ Carton and Alonzo Gaffney left the program, I think now those questions should go away and we can rest easy knowing that Ohio State has a coach that I don't think has aspirations to go anywhere else. Um, Unless Kentucky. But even though he's a native of Kentucky... And even though that's, you know, a holy grail job in college basketball, it comes with an enormous set of expectations and burdens and trials and uh, concentrated focus of a crazy fan base, none of which applies at Ohio State. Ohio State's fan base wants to win, but Ohio State basketball is never going to be on an annual basis looked at the way Kentucky's fans look at Kentucky and the way that Ohio State fans look at Ohio State football. But if Ohio State basketball is good, and they're really good right now, they're going to get ample coverage, ample glory, ample admiration come March. So I think Chris Holtman seems to me to be a kind of a guy who understands quality of life for his wife, for his daughter. Columbus, Ohio, pretty good place to live. Did he make more money at Kentucky? Well, I say yes because they'd pay him anything he wanted, but Ohio State can pay anybody anything they want, too. I don't know that they'll ever pay their basketball coach more than they pay their football coach, but money shouldn't be a reason why you leave. I mean, how many boats can you buy? How many houses can you buy? I don't even know if he owns a boat, but, you know, money's money, and he's making a lot of it. 
So I feel good about the future of Ohio State basketball in the hands of Chris Holtman, as well I should. I always forget to drop in the sponsors, so I'm not going to forget today. AUINFO.com. Open enrollment is open again. Usually it's only late in the year. Now it's back open. Joe Biden signed an executive order. He wants Obamacare to be, you know, more broadly applied throughout the country. So you win if you took your time and you dallied and you were busy at the holidays and you didn't feel like digging into looking at health insurance plans. I don't blame you. I don't want to do that either. So I don't. I let AUI Info do it for me. I go to somebody and I go, hey, what's the best plan for me? Here's what our family needs. We've got three girls under 20. We're not done having kids. La, la, la. Here's what we're paying. And they take care of it. They take care of it. That's basically all you have to do is just write it into a little chat note and they'll come back at you with what the costs are. Here's what you're paying. Here's what you get. Here are your hospitals. Here are your doctors. And then you can just make a decision. And instead of investing all that time and finding out what every plan has for you, let the people who know who are paid by the insurance companies, and that's not a nefarious relationship, by the way, that's just baked into the cost of healthcare.gov or any health insurance company. They know they're going to have to pay a consultant, so it's built into the cost of the policy, so you're paying for it whether you use it or not. Why wouldn't you use it? If I told you, hey, you could get an expert on this particular big, important issue in your life, and it won't cost you anything, would you go, no, nah, it's okay, I'm good, I'll, be, I'll, I'll go at it in an amateur fashion. I don't understand that thinking. So auiinfo.com is where you go, whether you're a business owner, whether you have many employees, whether you're an individual, a family right now, open enrollment. It opens Feb 15. And I think it goes to the end of March. So don't waste your time. AUIinfo.com. AUIinfo.com. Don't waste your time doing it yourself. Go to AUIinfo.com. All right. There's so many different aspects of this game last night to talk about. I'm just struck at the end, like, this is an old reference, but um, the Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons years ago used to always start with Bullwinkle saying, Hey, Rock, watch me pull a rabbit out of my head. And I kind of feel like that's what Chris Holtman does. <laughs> Every night he pulls a rabbit out of his hat. I said to him after the game last night, I said, really? Eugene Brown in the game like 10 minutes to go? Eugene Brown? Just shoot threes? Like, Eugene Brown hit some big threes against UCLA. He hadn't really hit a three of consequence since then. Eugene Brown's in, and he shoots from right of the key, and I could tell when he shot it. Well, that's got way too much on it. And it had just enough way too much on it to bank in. A banked in three from Eugene Brown. Okay, that's Holtman. I mean, that's Chris Holtman, right? Uh, when they had point guard difficulties, his solution, instead of, well, let's hurry up and get Michi ready. Let's give Michi more minutes. Let's, he did a little of that, but his main response was, uh, hey, Justice Suing, you're really struggling, buddy. In the Big Ten, you just totally lost out there. You you can't like put a decent game together. So come here. We're going to give you more to do. Counterintuitive, right? Suing's been phenomenal since then. Now, he's not Kata Bates-Diop. He's not. He's more Jay Sean Tate than he is Kata Bates-Diop, and he's not Jay Sean Tate. But Justice Suing last night had 12 points. He hit some big threes early when Arns and Washington couldn't make anything. He made some nice shots in the lane. He got to the basket. He had 12 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists. That's a really good stat line. And his, you know, last night after the game, uh, there were uh, several reporters who were talking about Dwayne Washington's two threes in succession, about those being the biggest shots in the game. I don't think I can say that. I mean, they were big. 
Were they bigger than Eugene Brown's three? Were they bigger than Kyle Young's three from the corner with three-something to go? A quick trigger three. They threw it down there on a semi-press break. Kyle Young's in the right corner. He'd already hit one three, so he'd hit his quota, right? Somebody close to the program told me he's allowed to he's allowed to take one a game. And he's firing up a second one. And I'm like, oh, not that shot. Great shot. Great shot, Kyle. I mean, it hit nothing but net. So that's a huge shot. And then Dwayne Washington hit. Bam, boom. Back to back. Now, instead of 11, they're down four because Zed Key hit a free throw right before that. That was huge. And then we get late and Herky the Hawkeye decides, yeah, I see here on the stat sheet that it says Justin Arn shoots 48% from three. He hasn't hit any tonight. He's not going to hit any tonight. Oh, oh, he hit one. And the next time down, he hit another one. And a couple possessions later, they were like, ah, we don't believe you, Justin Arns. It's all fluke. Oh, really? Here, watch this. And he hit again. So the three threes from Justin Arns were massive. And lost in all that was this one possession where Ohio State got three cracks at it, and the second crack came from E.J. Liddell in the lane, and he missed. And Justice Suing goes up in a scrum of guys and tips it in to keep Ohio State in control. So those are some huge, huge baskets. And we always focus on late in the game, right? It's late in the game. They're down 11. How did they come back? How did they win? How did they get an 88-81 lead? How did they almost blow it? And how did they survive? They're down four at halftime. They could have been down a lot at halftime. Imagine if they didn't get 12 combined from Key and Michi Johnson in the first half. Dwayne Washington and Justin Arns last night, Ohio State's two guys that you'd think are at the top of the Iowa scouting report on denying three-point attempts. Dwayne and Arns heating up late were still only six of 17 combined from three. The rest of the team was eight of 15. Kyle Young, two for two. Michi Johnson, two for three. Eugene Brown, one for two, and E.J. Liddell, one for one. If you're Iowa, you say, yeah, sure, we're fine with those guys taking those threes. But boom, they were not fine with those guys making those threes. Okay, so I was back to the balance, back to the fact that they have a very impressive NCAA tournament resume, but I haven't changed my opinion that they are beatable on any night when they don't have attention to detail. The great thing is with Dwayne Washington – commenting in the post game about how accountable this team is to each other and how supportive it is of each other. I don't fear so much them going to sleep. They might lose because they just have an off night and they have a brutal closing stretch at Maryland Monday. They got Indiana in there. They got to finish with at Michigan State, they got Iowa and Illinois coming to Columbus. And again, it's neutral site game and having beaten Iowa and Illinois before, both those teams are going to be trying very hard to atone for those earlier losses. But right now, it's extremely impressive to watch what they have done. And I'll have a little bit more for you on why they're doing what they're doing. But first, a reminder that if you ever need an attorney, that's a really bad time to look for one because you're desperate. And any choice I've made in my life quickly it's about a 50-50 on whether I chose wisely. So right now, the reason I bring up Willis Spangler Starling every week is because I'm just planting a seed in your mind that they are a full-service law firm 
that they're a place where you'll go in and feel comfortable in their offices. It's not some big, huge high rise. It's not a bunch of stuffy people, you know, neckties and business suits and power, all this and that. They're just, they're just good folks. But boy, do they know the law. Boy, do they do their job well. A lot of their cases are flat fee cases or contingency cases. Some are not because a complex thing like maybe workers' comp or some other things may take a lot of time and there's no way to be fair to you in giving you a cost up front. I'm just guessing on whether that's workers' comp. But there are some cases that they're just so open-ended you don't know. But a lot of their cases, you know, you don't have to be shy about asking. Is this a flat fee case? Is this a contingency case? But I've known um, the partners for a long time. I know how honest they are, how much integrity they have, and how gifted they are. They've done legal work for me. I steer my best friends to Willis Spangler Starling. That should tell you something. So you can find them on the web, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Their Twitter site is fun to follow because they have a lot of fun with it, and they post their informative blogs and videos. That is at Spangler Willis, at Spangler Willis. But their website is willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. All right. A couple of podcasts ago, maybe just one podcast ago, I uh, gloated over the struggles of the Indiana basketball program and how they're souring rapidly on Archie Miller. Now, I will be very honest with you. When Indiana got Archie Miller and Ohio State ended up with Chris Holtman, I was not happy because I thought Archie Miller did a phenomenal job at Dayton. Dayton's right under my nose. I was very familiar with Dayton. Butler is not right under my nose. And Archie Miller had been here before. I wanted Archie Miller. Well, Indiana already hired Archie Miller by the time Gene Smith got around to letting Thad go in essentially in the summer because Ohio State's recruiting was falling apart. And for a while, it looked like Ohio State was going to end up with Greg McDermott from Creighton. Wasn't impressed with that. He'd failed at Iowa State. If he failed at Iowa State, how was he going to succeed at Ohio State? I know he's had some success at Creighton, but he just didn't excite me. So then they landed on Chris Holtman, and they kind of had to talk Holtman into taking the job. He loved Butler, which that's good because you want a guy, once you have him and once he's doing a good job, you want a guy who loves where he is and sees the merits of where he is versus always scanning the horizon for the next better job, bigger job. But I just thought Indiana got the better end of that trade because I knew Archie Miller. I knew what he could do. I saw him coach Dayton over Ohio State in the NCAA tournament, and I was like, oh, crap. You know how much I hate Indiana basketball. Now they got Archie Miller for the next 25 years. He's going to be sticking it in our faces. Well, I was wrong. I was way wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Almost as wrong on this as I was when I said the Browns drafted a Hall of Fame running back in Trent Richardson. See, I'm not averse to confessing my whiffs. The Richardson thing was a whiff, and the Chris Holtman I would rather have Archie Miller thing was a huge whiff because Indiana's doing under Archie Miller what I thought they would do recruiting-wise. They're getting a lot of big-name guys. I was not happy when they got Jerome Hunter out of Pickerington, and Ohio State did not get him because I watched Hunter in a state tournament, and I'm like, wow, is he good. Well, Jerome Hunter went to Indiana, and he had a red shirt with an injury his first year, and now he's back playing, and, well, he's not really back playing. He's... On the shelf, coach's decision. And this is goofy. A couple weeks ago, Jerome Hunter was given some golden jersey award for working hard in practice. And now Jerome Hunter's not dressing because Archie Miller says, it's my decision totally. When he shows the right attitude, he'll get back out there. Okay, so why do I bring this up? 
because Jerome Hunter had all the accolades in high school and all this stuff. Central Ohio kid. Can't let that kid get away. And Ohio State, I don't know they're not on the same recruiting cycle. Nobody was excited. Everybody was excited when Ohio State got Carton and Gaffney. Everybody. And E.J. Liddell. Well, Carton, good player, but he left. I'll just leave it there why he left. Um, E.J. Liddell, really good player. As advertised. Lonzo Gaffney, not a good player. And not a good player, <laughs> okay? So he's gone. And now Ohio State this past year with Carton and Gaffney leaving, top 75 guys, ooh, we got to go out and got to get great guys. Oh, we get Zed Key and Eugene Brown. Nobody ever heard of these guys. Who's Zed Key? Who's Gene Brown? How good is Zed Key going to be? Oh, excuse me. How good is Zed Key? Like, Zed Key is 6'8", like, what is he, 250? He has banged against Kofi Coburn. He has banged against Luca Garza. He has banged against uh, I, uh, Wisconsin's nameless, faceless seven-footer. Zed Key is going to be a problem for other teams in the Big Ten for the duration of his career, and his career is going to last three more years after this one. He's not an early entry NBA guy. I don't know if E.J. Liddell's an early entry NBA guy because he's got to learn to put it on the floor at his height to score in the NBA. Justice Suing is going to be back next year. Seth Town's going to presumably be healthier next year and presumably more consistent and presumably better. Michi Johnson, you like what you see out of him? So the whole Holtman can't recruit thing, out the window, bye-bye, fly away, go away. I don't want to hear it anymore because he knows what kind of player he wants. And once he gets that player, he coaches to get the maximum out of them. So I repent of my lusting after Archie Miller years ago. And I am so happy. In fact, I posted on Twitter last night that I don't often say anything nice about Indiana basketball. But thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for hiring Archie Miller before we fired Thad so that we were not tempted to hire Archie Miller and instead hand uh, wound up with Chris Holtman. Phenomenal, phenomenal coach. If you want to ask me what's the commonality between winning at Illinois winning it at Wisconsin, winning at Iowa, three places I thought for sure would be L's. The reason they won those games, he'll tell you it's players win games. And, of course, players win games because coaches can't dribble and shoot. But Chris Holtman won those games by deploying his talent in such a way and defending the other team. Fran McCaffrey has a nice team at Iowa. I don't know why Iowa sticks with Fran McCaffrey. Fran McCaffrey wins enough to not get fired. He's a tempter. He gets good players in there, and they look good for a while, and you think all these possibilities are going to be there. And he's never, ever been able to coach a lick of defense. And any team that's just going to outscore you, outscore you, outscore you, they're going to have a good record. They're going to get in the tournament. They're going to look fantastic like world beaters some night, but eventually there's going to be a night where the shots don't go down or the other team makes shots at opportune times, like last night. And what happened is going to happen. And it's interesting to listen to McCaffrey after a game when I ask him about Luca Garza. 26-point game, Luca Garza. Luca Garza scored his last basket, his last point last night with 14.35 to go. He had 16 points. It ties his season low. High State doesn't have a guy over 6'8 guarding him. 
Kyle Young frustrated him with quickness. Zed Key, not afraid to bang with anybody. He banged with Coburn. He banged with Garza. And after the game, Fran McCaffrey had the temerity to say, well, they were pretty physical with him. Like, Luca Garza isn't physical with everybody. Luca Garza is a beast, and I mean that in a complimentary way, but he has a profile, a star profile, that allows him to get away with stuff that Caleb Wesson could never get away with. If they called fouls on Luca Garza the way they called fouls on Caleb Wesson for contact, Luca Garza would play six minutes a game. So for Fran McCaffrey to insinuate that Ohio State got away with something against Garza, he's elbowing E.J. Liddell in the head to score a layup. Nothing called. He's spinning on picks out front. That's a moving screen. Not called. So Luca Garza gets way more calls than he doesn't get. But McCaffrey's a sore loser, and he got beat by a better team, and more importantly, he got beat by a better coach. And right now in the Big Ten... It is very hard to find somebody who this year is coaching better than Chris Holman. Nobody is coaching better than Chris Holman. Brad Underwood at Illinois has better talent. Wisconsin doesn't have better talent, but they're a more they're a, a team with less holes because they have size and they have shooting and they have all the things that Ohio State has. The one edge Wisconsin has over Ohio State is that they have size. Ohio State doesn't have size. They don't have a center. So um, Holtman finds a way. They out-rebounded Iowa, which is crazy, crazy that they out-rebounded Iowa. So I'm really impressed with uh, Holtman and the job that he has done and the job he continues to do. And I hate to sound like a fanboy, but when a guy does a good job, I'm not averse to saying he's doing a good job and Holtman is doing a great job. So that's my take on Ohio State basketball. They're off this weekend. They play Maryland Monday night, and that'll be another nail-biter because – we all remember the Mark Turgeon, Chris Holtman tete-a-tete last year over Wesson getting away with stuff in the post and Ohio State knocking off Maryland at Value City Arena in a very close emotional game. E.J. Liddell, E.J. Liddell big in that game? He was big against Illinois. But at any rate, uh, so it'll be interesting to see Turgeon's up. Turgeon and Fran McCaffrey are the uh, vice president and president of the Whiners Club. Big-time Whiners, both of them. And that's just not a game Chris Holtman engages in. So we'll see how this goes Monday night at Maryland. But they've got four wins right now on the road that I didn't think they'd have. And they're the first team in Ohio State history to beat four top 15 teams on the road in the same season. Again, mitigated by the fact that there are no fans. Okay. One more. I want to do a tribute to my friend Les Levine, who passed away yesterday. Well, actually, uh, the evening of Wednesday. First, a reminder, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters offers Spielman and Hooley. Uh, that's a Freudian mental tick. They offer We Tackle Life podcast listeners 15% off when you use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters was the first sponsor of the podcast, the first to believe in us. It happened organically. They listened to the podcast. They really liked it. They reached out. I went over to see what they were about. Loved their mission, the fact that they buy their coffee direct from growers around the world. Seems to me like if you're going to sell coffee, the best coffee comes from other climates where the climate is ideally determined to grow coffee. So that's a good business model. But they went beyond that. Paul Kurtz, the owner uh, and uh, founder of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, was a former missionary in foreign countries. And he noticed that if they did all the work in a village, they'd leave and the work would deteriorate. 
So he wondered about, what if I paired my love for coffee with my love for people and disadvantaged people economically, and we just bought their coffee, paid them more than they get from their government, eliminate the middleman so the coffee grower actually gets the money, and then that coffee grower would use it in his own village. Well, it's been a phenomenal experience and phenomenal results, and you still end up with great coffee. So there you go. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, 15% off. Use the promo code, all caps, we tackle life. I uh, was very sad, surprised uh, Thursday morning to find on Twitter that uh, my friend, my dear friend, Les Levine, had passed away. I knew Les was struggling with Parkinson's, but I continued to see that his show had been on Cleveland.com, and I did not know that the end of Les's life was imminent. Uh, I send my deepest condolences uh, to his family and to his children, uh, one of whom I had the pleasure of having lunch with, with Les, one time, and he was a delightful young man. And Les was so proud uh, of, his, uh, of his kids. Less is, the word legend gets overused, um, but in the local Cleveland market, Les Levine was a media legend and a media giant. When you do radio, broadcast, uh, play-by-play, television, and have the depth of knowledge and experience and the humor and insight that Les Levine had, you are a rare commodity. No one ever questioned Les's love for Cleveland teams doing well, but Les managed to walk that line in a way that he had enormous credibility on his analysis of those teams. He was, he was a guy who rooted for the home team and wanted the home team to win, but he wasn't a homer. He wasn't blind to the organizations, whether it's Browns, Cavs, Indians, wasn't blind to their flaws. When I went to Cleveland uh, to work for WKNR in 2011, I ran into Les at the uh, Mac basketball tournament, and Les frequently played golf. Actually, actually, I should back up. I met Les I think in the first summer that I was there through mutual friends, Tony Grossi and Bud Shaw, they played golf with Les frequently and they were kind enough to bring me into uh, their foursome. And we played frequently uh, courses around Cleveland together. Les was always the star of any foursome he was in because while his legacy in sports is enormous, Les's legacy in life is that he was able to relate to anyone and would be able to make anyone laugh. And I can't think of very many other legacies anyone could leave behind um, in earthly terms than they enriched people's lives with laughter. Less enriched my life with laughter. He had such a quick wit, and it is very appropriate that the people who remember Les remember him for his humorous, um, dry, <laughs> droll way of delivering 
humor. Uh, Les is the originator of something called a How Come Quickie, which he would take calls on Cleveland Radio about a How Come Quickie. And, you know, uh, I can't even think of some of Les's better How Come Quickies, but an example of a How Come Quickie would be, uh, why do they call it a boxing ring when it's not a ring, it's a square? That kind of thing. Les's were always far more funny than that, far more thought-provoking than that. Les also had a way of... (laughs) quickly responding to people who would call his show when I was on it and everyone was on it. And they'd go, Hey, last great show. And he'd go today, <laughs> which is just, you know, that's funny. And at the end of every show, he would sign off with of all the shows I've ever done. This is the most recent. Again, that droll sense of humor. I could go on and on and on about the unique phrasing, uh, phrasing and quips that make Les Levine singularly unique. But I got to tell you, the personal side of it was that Les did a show in Cleveland about Cleveland sports on television, More Sports with Les Levine. Great title for a show. And I came to Cleveland, and I missed my family. They lived in Central Ohio, and I wanted to get back to Central Ohio. And Les said to me, why don't you do in Columbus what I'm doing in Cleveland? Do a show about Columbus sports and Ohio sports based out of Time Warner in Columbus. And that appealed to me. I thought that'd be fun. And I was inspired by Les being able to do it and make a living doing that in Cleveland. And so... Here's Les Levine, who is setting up another person that he really at that time didn't know very well with an opportunity to engage in an endeavor that really could not have helped him in any way. All that could have done by establishing me in Columbus was potentially hurt his brand because my show would be broadcast statewide. I had access, more access to Ohio State than Les did. He had access to pro teams that I wouldn't have. But Les's show pulled from some statewide sponsors, McDonald's, Ohio Lottery, uh, Elk and Elk. And I always thought it was remarkable that Les never calculated in his own mind, or if he did, he never let it stop him advocating for me to get the same kind of an opportunity with Time Warner that he had through his own hard work, creativity, and perseverance created for himself. And I just thought that was an amazing extension of kindness to me, courtesy, and it was certainly not anything that Les Levine was compelled to do. But he did it out of a heart filled with goodness And uh, and compassion for someone who he knew wanted to get home and live life with his wife and children more than two days a week. And I will always cherish my friendship with Les Levine for that kindness to me <clears throat> and to my wife and kids. It didn't work out that I was able to do 
my show in Columbus on Time Warner with the success that Les had, which doesn't surprise me because Les was so much more talented than I was or am. And, uh, but it still enabled me to have a show that paid me some, uh, some really good money on the side uh, in addition to my job at KNR that didn't interfere with my job at KNR. And I haven't sat down to write out all the different tentacles of people that I've met and relationships that I've cultivated and things that we benefited from as a family because of that show that I had on Time Warner for four years. But I need to do that because it'll give me a fuller uh, measurement of the impact that Les Levine made on my life and on my family's life. And so I am uh, I'm deeply saddened by his loss. And I am uh, I'm struck by what a wonderful man he was. And so my deepest sympathies go to his family and to all the people in Cleveland <clears throat> who love him for his work and will miss him. Because really, uh, here's a real honest assessment. When I pass away, I'll have some people who will miss me and say great things about me. The people who have consumed my content over the years on radio and television and uh, newspapers will not feel a fraction of the regret that they'll no longer hear from me like is appropriate right now in the widespread sense of personal loss that so many people in Cleveland and and who knew Les feel upon his passing. It is remarkable to me that Les could serve in a market as long as he did and be as beloved as he is and always will be. I don't have that gift. I am... I am uh, not that kind of, of guy. I am not. And um, I have great admiration for Les being able to do his job with distinction. And um, what a great loss that is for us who like to laugh. Thank you, Les. I'll miss you very much. Uh, with that, I will transition into the faith portion of the podcast. You can always send me an email, Bruce. No, that's my work email. I need, I need answer. Send me an email, uh, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. Post a review on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, let me know what you think of the podcast. I had a, a thought to change the name. And then I had several people say, no, keep We Tackle Life because the we can be you and us. And so I've kept We Tackle Life, just um, your thoughts on the content, the podcast, and all that. All right, I'm pretty close to the length of time that I like to keep these 45 minutes or so, so you can listen to them during a workout. So the faith portion today, you know my routine is to read Proverbs every day, the book of Proverbs. Not the entire book, not all 31 chapters, but I read a chapter that corresponds to the date of the month, a lot of times I, you know, today's the fifth, so I'll read the Proverbs 5, but I'll also go back and refresh my memory with Proverbs 4, maybe 3 and 4. Um, and then I'll, sometimes I'll just leaf ahead and look ahead, and verses that I've outlined, which are a lot, jump out at me. And a verse, because we lost less, because this morning I got a call that uh, our neighbor passed away. Um, this verse jumped out at me today. 
Proverbs 27, 20. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Proverbs 27, 12. 27, 12. The prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and suffer for it. And I got to thinking about seeing, seeing danger, viewing things, evaluating things, um, making sound judgments. If you see danger and you avoid it, take refuge, that's great. Uh, if you are simple, you don't see danger coming, uh, you suffer for it. So I wrote in my journal, when you see danger, do you recognize it? And when you recognize it, do you look away? And I thought of my father. My father, um, unbeknownst to me, smoked when I was a kid. He smoked until I was nine years old. I never saw it, but my other brothers saw it. So this is about 19, I don't know, somewhere 70s, somewhere in there. And he quit smoking. And I asked him one time, why'd you quit? Well, what enabled you to quit? And he said one night he was at work in a factory, I think Accelo Corporation in Lima. And he went to light a cigarette. And a friend of his said, that cigarette has more power than you do. And my dad looked at him. He's like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, it can't pick itself up and light it and stick itself in your mouth. So it has more power than you do because it's drawing you, it's luring you to light it and smoke it. And that so <laughs> ticked my dad off at himself, at his personal failings, that he quit on the spot and never smoked another one. And that's indicative of changes in our life. We change, whether it's losing weight, whether it's breaking off a bad friendship, a bad relationship, changing jobs. Whenever we make a giant change in our life, whenever we purpose to change, we change, we are motivated to change because the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of changing. Like I'm right now, I'm going to drop 30 pounds. Trust me, I am. I've done it before. I'll do it again because I gained a bunch of weight during the pandemic that I don't want. My doctor says I should lose 10. I think I should lose 25. So I'm going to, I'm going to lose 30. I'm going to be down to 175 by summer. Because the pain of staying the same feeling like my back hurts, my feet hurt, my knees hurt. I want to walk golf courses this summer. I want to fit into my golf clothes with a little bit of baggy in the baggy left in a waistband. And if I don't want to lose weight, that's not going to happen. And I don't want to go buy other clothes and I don't want to be fat and I don't want to be tired. So the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of changing. So I'm disciplining myself dietarily and exercise-wise. So This is what change is about, is deciding, purposing, that we're going to do it. In Acts 14.9, Paul, the Apostle Paul, healed a lame man who was listening to him speak. And the Bible says Paul, quote, saw that the man had the faith to be healed. I thought that was really interesting. So Paul saw that that the man had faith to be healed, that he was ready for that mammoth change in his life. So the healing didn't depend on Paul doing whatever the apostles did when they healed someone. 
the healing depended upon that man having the faith to accept it. And how many times did Jesus say, your faith has made you well? He never said, my power makes you well. He said, your faith has made you well. So I just want to stress that having faith is a purposeful decision. I made the comment the other day on my radio show that people, and I think I made the same comment here on the podcast, that we think that we have to see and understand fully before we can have faith. You don't. You have to trust it, though. You have to decide in your mind that is true. I am not good enough to qualify for heaven on my own merits. No one is. There's nothing special or inherent about my nastiness, my awfulness, my unacceptability. I share it with all of humankind. But God's provided a way for me to be saved through Christ. And I don't. I might not feel it right now, but I want it. That's what I want. And the pain of staying the same, lost, uncertain about my future, is exceeded, exceed rather, exceeds rather, my desire to change and be a different person in Jesus. And so I'd encourage you to uh, examine yourself and ask yourself, is the pain of staying the same less than the pain of changing? What do you have to lose by accepting Christ and testing him and seeing if he will draw you to himself by injecting his spirit into you and enlightening you as to the truth of Scripture? So um, that will do it for this week. Uh, We'll be back Monday with a recap of Super Bowl, whatever, 50-something. I had to enter a contest at work for Pick the Score. I'm picking Tampa because I figure everyone else will pick Kansas City. And I'm picking Tampa 26 to 24. And I actually was surprised the number of ESPN experts who are picking Tampa. So maybe I'll win a $25 gift card. I would prefer to see Tampa win. I would prefer to see Tom Brady win a seventh Super Bowl. I love seeing greatness. And Brady is great. And I hope that, I hope they win. So we'll talk about that on Monday. We'll set up Ohio State's game against Maryland. I hope you have a great weekend, and I appreciate your time very much. Listening to uh, this podcast takes time, and your time's a gift to me, so thank you. Uh, Talk to you Monday. Have a great weekend.